Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. I, on Christmas, uh, FaceTime my mom. All of her bees froze to death. Oh, <laughs> no. It's a tough Christmas. It's a tough Christmas. This is the press box. So, yeah. <laughs> the whole hive. She has four. Oh, oh, four whole hives are dead. Froze to death. With Granny and Bischoff. Um, Isn't there like a national crisis right now where we need as many yeah, bees right. as yes, possible? Yes, yes, there is. Yeah. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Here we go, Ed, Tyler, and Jared. To Wednesday, any update on the bees? No, uh, I did talk to my grandmother yesterday. She's like, yeah, we might have tornadoes. Yeah, we're in Mississippi? Yeah, so, but yeah. I don't live there. Talk to my son, same thing in Texas. More on the coast, though, from where he is, thank goodness. Tornadoes. Don't want that nonsense. I don't want that nonsense. What a ridiculous thing. The wind, the wind sometimes just blows really fast yeah. in a circle and ruins everything. It's what a good. disaster. It's not good. Jesus. Be careful out there. Jesus. <laughs> At least I will we got say, the Wizard of Oz out of it. <laughs> there you go. I will say, I, in talking to my grandmother, they have a leak of a pipe, and they cannot use their sink in their kitchen for the time being until they get that fixed. So, glad I don't live there. Tornadoes and no sink in the kitchen. Well, don't call if you need a glass of water, you got to get it from the bathroom. Yep. So, I'm not going back to visit anytime soon. Yeah, because that's on you. Well, my you other, don't want to be helping out or anything. My other brother might fix it who lives there. Hopefully, he'll fix it, and I won't have to do anything, but it might be on now, me. Did your grandma live up. with your mom? Yeah, yeah, they live together. Okay. So hopefully I won't have to do anything. But I'm not going back anytime soon. I saw him last summer. It's like good for five years. <laughs> summer? For your mother? Yeah. Barely talked to her. Oh, you want me to go man. see her too? Here we go. The first bite. Should Kevin Kruger listen to the press box? No, he shouldn't. Yes. No, he shouldn't. He should be doing more, way more important things. Spending time with his family, watching film. Getting ready for the day's practice, making out a practice plan. Yeah, by listening to us. No, I don't think so. If he needs to listen to us to, to get things done, then it, it's it's a sad day in Kevin Kruger's house. How many games in a row have I come on this show and said UNLV needs to stop switching all their screens? UNLV needs to stop switching their centers onto the other team's best player. I'm going to say that he figured that out himself. He's, it took gets, him a month. He gets he gets paid a lot of money. It took to do him stuff. a month to do it. I t- He's this. not listening and doing what we say. He He's should not. No, that's my point. <laughs> he should be. Because the first game that I know that I came on here and said, here's their problem, they're switching their centers, was San Diego State. Because they switched their centers onto San Diego State. They gave Matt Bradley like five feet, and Matt Bradley just shot because they were worried about Matt Bradley driving past their centers and San Diego state hit a bunch of threes and they lost because of it. And I came on here and said, yeah, they switched their centers on to Matt Bradley. That's not going to work very well. That was a month ago. And finally against Wyoming last night, what did Kevin Kruger do? He stopped change or stopped switching his centers onto the other team's point guards. They used a drop coverage and they used a hedge with victory. Waco, David Mwaka and Keyshawn, oh, Keyshawn Hall at center. That's exactly what I've been saying for a month. 
And that's the exact change they made last I night. I gotta figure he figured that out. It might have taken him some time. But that's he, what I'm saying. But he, he should he, be listening he, to he, us. He, he figured it out on his A team. month he later. And his coaches know what they're doing. And they were in last place in the conference. <laughs> I don't think they do. I do so, think they I think they know what they're doing. What Tyler is saying is he wants Ed, you and I to be the only people not employed on ESPN radio <laughs> by UNLV basketball. Yes. <laughs> I'll be an analyst and tell you, hey, don't switch Keyshawn Hall on the other team's best player. That's what I've been saying for a month. But here's the thing. They sucked on defense last night. Still gave up one point, over one point. Their uh, defense was not good. Yeah, their defense was awful last night, largely because Wyoming hit just a ton of three. Wyoming was 14 of 33 on threes last night. But the defense did prevent Wyoming from getting basically anything at the rim. They took uh, 19 layups, only made nine of them. So the defense, the defensive change took away a lot of stuff at the paint that UNLV had been giving up in recent games. But Wyoming still had a good game because they knocked down a bunch of threes. UNLV won last night, not because of the defensive change that I've been saying they need to make. UNLV won last night because that was their best offensive game of the season. The only, They're great from three. The only team that they've had a better uh, efficiency night was Life Pacific, and that doesn't, well, that that doesn't, doesn't count. count. That so doesn't count. The that insurance was their, company. That was their best offensive game of the season. UNLV hit a lot of threes, 11 of 20. Uh, they went to the free throw line a lot, 17 of 20 from the free throw line. That was their best offensive game of the season, and that's why they won. Uh, EJ Harkless was extremely efficient. As much as I've talked about him being an inefficient player, he was great. 28 points on just 15 shots, 8 of 15 from the floor, and 11 of 11 from the free throw line. They won because of offense last night, yeah. not because of defense, which to me is a massive concern going forward because they made a change defensively, and it didn't actually matter. And they won a game with their offensive output, but Wyoming is the worst defensive team in the conference. So you should have a good offensive game against Wyoming. I don't know that anything was fixed. I don't know that anything we saw despite the win last night. I don't know that anything we saw last night is actually good news for UNLV going forward. Well, we'll see on Saturday because they're going to play a much better team if they continue to stay with this defensive scheme and and not switching and and, and uh, drop coverage and all that. We'll see on Saturday because they're going to play a much better team on Saturday. Yes, and a much better defensive team Right. to where if UNLV's defense struggles a little bit, they're probably not outscoring their defensive problems, which is what they did last night. UNLV wasn't, again, they weren't good defensively despite the change, but they were very good offensively. Um, so curious to see what happens against Nevada. I don't know that... I saw anything tonight that makes me think that it'll be different from the previous games against the top teams in the Mountain West, but maybe it will be. Um, Milwaukee's still not playing much. God, this is so this is so fascinating to me. I don't know why David Milwaukee is being punished because he played three minutes last night. It's not a situation where Milwaukee is not allowed to play. It's not he's not like suspended for anything, right? Because he's he's playing in the games. It's just three minutes every now and then. So it's not like, oh, he's being disciplined for off-court issues, right? This is very clearly a, hey, we don't think we're good enough with Milwaukee in the game. We don't think Milwaukee is good enough for us to put him in the game because last night you get three from Milwaukee, you get 24 from Victory Waco, who had five points and four rebounds, and you get 13 minutes from Keyshawn Hall, who did have 10 points, by the way. That was your center rotation last night. And I think they actually played some five-guard lineups as well during the game. But... I don't understand it because 
Keyshawn Hall can't guard anybody. And normally when we talk about why is a player being sat down, it's because, oh, well, they, they're not doing what they're supposed to do on the defensive end. Keyshawn Hall is the worst defender on the team. And to reward Keyshawn Hall, who can't guard anybody, while punishing David Mwaka for, Mike Ramallah said yesterday, to light a fire under him, to make him more aggressive, that those two things don't make sense to me. And then last night, Shane Noel played 18 minutes. Hit some threes. Shane Noel hasn't yeah. played this year because they don't trust him defensively. They don't think he can pick up the st- or stay with the scheme. So, well, to, it's hard for Milwaukee to be more aggressive if he's playing three minutes. Well, that too, right? No, What's he supposed go, to do? Pick up five fouls? Yes, I was going to say <laughs> he's got five hard ones at him. Get out there! So it's it's just fascinating to me. Like I understand the Udonis if, Haslam strategy of you go out there, go go put someone on their butt. I understand if somebody, if you want to like send a message and say, hey, you need to do this better. You need to show more effort or be more aggressive or or you need to uh, pay more attention on defense. Whatever it is, the, the message you want to send. But to me, it's contradictory to then play Keyshawn Hall as much as they have and play Shane Noel 18 minutes last night because you can't watch those two and say, oh, they're definitely picking up the details better than David Bawaka. I, that to me, I do not understand it at all because they're better with Milwaukee on the floor. They, they, their efficiency numbers are better with David Milwaukee on the floor instead of Victory Waco and Keyshawn Hall, even though his is a minuscule sample size still. I just, I don't understand. I, maybe there's something we don't know, but I do not understand why the message well, is that, being sent to Milwaukee. That Milwaka. could very well be true as well. But we don't know. Well, it's not that we don't know. We don't know everything that goes on right. with that team. But I just I just don't get why the message is being sent to Milwaukee, but you're playing Noel and you're playing Keyshawn Hall when if you were sending a message, those guys would, would need it too. Now, Noel played for the first time last night in Mountain West play. It's not like that guy's been playing 18 minutes every game. He played because Luis Rodriguez was out with an injury too, by the way. So fascinating decisions from Kevin Kruger um, that I don't quite understand. I, I really don't get it with Milwaukee because he is their best option at center for, you know, 25 minutes a game or whatever you want your starting center to play. And then the other two, Iwako and Keyshawn Hall, fine to play them, but just not quite the difference maker that Milwaukee has been. Well, they got in. Look, most important thing, one in six, you need to win. I mean, I agree with you. They won because of their offense, obviously. Um, they played a really bad team, and you just have to beat really bad teams. Although, that didn't happen the game before either. Did not. It did not. Uh, and that's a bad team. So... We'll see Saturday. I'm, I'm going into the week. I was far more interested in Saturday. They were going to win last week, last night. That team, without Grammy K and and I mean Maldonado is a nice player, but they're almost like UNLV is they with without Bryce Hamilton. They just don't have a go to guy. Right. EK is the guy, and he's been out all year. So they were going to win last night. Thought they were really good offensively. Um, I can see what you're saying defensively. Gave up a lot of points to a bad team. This is now. Every game now in the Mountain West over one point per possession. Yeah. Every yep. game. And this is the same thing last night. I do think if you, if you want some silver lining on the defense, even though it wasn't great last night, I do think a lot of that was Wyoming just hitting threes that they normally don't hit. Wyoming's an average three points. They're not a bad team, but they're an average three-point shooting team, and they hit over 40% of their threes last night. Yes, you can try to point to it and say, oh, UNLV doesn't cover the three-point line, which the help, line, help side defense leaves that open a little bit, but Wyoming hit a ridiculous amount. And if that is sort of more of a normal number, UNLV's defensive numbers look a lot better overall, but still 
the big issue, and Jordan McCabe said it last night, they got to stay in front of people. Like, they can't get beat off the dribble, which still happened some last night, even though they weren't switching their centers on to everybody. They still are getting beat off the dribble, and that's really the concern, is that this is supposed to be a team that was built on not getting beat off the dribble. I remember the first... The first day that the media could watch practice when, you know, fall practice started, Jordan McCabe talked to the media and it was, you know, talking about the defense. And he was like, we got guys that just, we don't get beat off the dribble. He's like, that's what's going to make us a good defensive team is we've got a bunch of guys who don't get beat off the dribble. And non-conference play, they didn't really get beat off the dribble very much. But now in conference play, even Fresno State and even a little bit with Wyoming last night, they get beat off the dribble. And it's... It doesn't matter what your defensive scheme is if you can't guard guys one-on-one on the right. perimeter. If, right. if you're going to get blown past... Every defensive scheme is going to be beaten because you just got beat and now you've got to send help side or give up a free layup. And neither of those are really good options. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, the Golden Knights almost beat the New Jersey Devils last night. Penalty clock at 50 seconds. Hutton in the box for the Knights. And now a shot in the middle. Hamilton scores. All by himself straight on. Dougie Hamilton, a rifle. Beats Logan Thompson. Jersey defeats Vegas three to two. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Brady and Tyler Bischoff. Dougie, Dougie. Bruce Cassidy should listen to me too. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> I actually don't have any great advice for him at the moment because I probably would have said not okay. to play Logan Thompson. There is last no night. chance he's listening. Come on, zero. Well, there. It, by the way, schedule makers. Golden Knights play Tuesday in New Jersey and then don't play yeah, again they don't until play Friday, Friday in New York? Yeah, exactly. They get two full days in New York? Well, it's such a long trip Yeah, between the two. I know. And then they play the Islanders on Saturday. Yeah, back-to-back. Back. So they get two days off in New York. And then I think that's the week off, yeah? Yeah, it's, there's two I more games they before week. they get five days off. And yeah, and then they're – and then or that's the All-Star break, right? Or is yeah, it the day off? And yeah, then they have to travel to Florida. Break? Yeah. Well, only like two of them go to Florida. Well, but I mean, the like goalie most, and the coach. most New Yorkers at the end ah, of the day, yes. they have to go down to Florida. The best friends are going. Logan Thompson and Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, best friends are going. So Golden Knights blew the third period lead to Dallas last night. They led 2-1 in the third. Dougie Hamilton scored with a minute 10 to play. So 70 seconds from getting a win. New Jersey then won an overtime on another Doug Hamilton goal. So the Golden Knights got a point last night so not the end of the world to get one point I will say Logan Thompson was very good three he allowed three goals on 36 shots but here's the three goals that went in first one his defenseman Caden Korzak deflected a shot with his stick that caused it to float over Logan Thompson's shoulder and into the net Braden McNabb on the game time goal deflected the shot and it bounced the opposite direction past Logan Thompson and then in overtime, the Dougie Hamilton overtime winner was a power play goal in which all three Golden Knights that were on the ice were on the same side of the ice, leaving nobody in the slot for Dougie Hamilton to just... They all went over to Hughes. Yeah, two guys went to Jack Hughes on the wall, and then for some reason, Alex Petrangelo started to follow them over there, didn't get there in time, but just left the slot completely right. vacated, and Hamilton had a... Slap shot, a one-timer well, slap a shot from like 10 feet away yeah. and beat Logan Thompson. None of those you'd look at and say, wow, Logan Thompson really screwed up. Those are legitimately all yeah. because of his teammates being bad. And I will make the same case I've made over and over. Hockey needs own goals. The Golden Knights were in overtime because of two own goals. 
Caden Korzak deflects a puck with his stick, and guess where it ends up? In the back of the net. Braden, Braden McNabb. McNabb deflects it. I think it hit his knee. Where does it end up? In the back, back of the, the net. net. If if they are just if those guys just don't exist on those shots, <laughs> Logan Thompson makes, makes those two saves. saves. Yeah, and the Golden Knights win with win a shutout. Game. But because they were there and getting in the way, like you're supposed to, it still ended up in the back of the net. And hockey needs own goals, so we can designate for for the sake of the goalies. Yeah, Logan Thompson was beaten yeah. by his own teammates because my proposal. Is we start counting own goals, right? You don't get credit for a goal if the defenseman hit it in, but also it doesn't count against a goalie save percentage. All right. So if Braden McNabb, McNabb scores on his own goalie, yeah. it do, that does not hurt Logan Thompson's. Right. His save percentage would have been 100 going into the overtime last night because both goals he gave up should have been own goals. That's my. That's what I want to be the rule and stat change in hockey. Give us own. We can do it in soccer. We can do it in hockey. Give us own goals. It's much better that way. Um, but the interesting part, and where Cassidy shouldn't listen to me, Logan Thompson started three games in four days, and he was really, really good in the third one of those four days. He was excellent last night. Ben Goats came on earlier this week and talked about it being a sign of urgency that he played him in back the both games of played the back him in the back-to-back back back here. And then obviously plays him in the third of four, which is, you know, kind of, not done a lot to play had, all three of the four. Had two days off. Oh, is it three and five? Did they have two days off between? Well, games? didn't they play Saturday? Oh, you're right. It was three and five. Okay, not quite as bad. From an urgency standpoint, is that the right move in late January when the Pacific Division is as tight? Like, should he be playing Logan Thompson I as mean, much as he can? Two days rest. I don't mind it. Um, we'll see. On the, I mean. It's huge urgency if he comes back to back with the uh, Rangers and the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> then it's like, okay, you're freaking out, man. Calm down. I think, to be completely honest, I think he's going to. Because no. I think, listen, what is, he always finds a reason to uh, tell people why the minutes aren't that big of a deal, right? Remember with Alex Petrangelo, it was, well, he missed some time. Right. And then right. he also at one point said, well, when you're playing power play minutes, it's not really that hard. When you're playing penalty kill minutes, it's not always that hard. You just kind of stand in there. Like he's always trying to find a way to be like, oh, well, those minutes aren't that bad. What happens after he's... Saturday? They have five days off and then the all-star break. He's absolutely going to say, well, Logan Thompson's got five days off. I'm going to play him back to back and he can recover in the meantime. I I think he's 100%. That's going to be his go-to move because they play Saturday the 28th. And then what? Their next game is February 7th. 100%. 100%. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, you got like a week and a half off. Well, he's got to go to the All-Star game. Well, yeah, he's going to be like, he's yeah, gotta, that's three on three. You're not trying that hard. Those minutes no don't count. No one's trying. Oh, he's definitely playing back-to-back. All right, we'll see. Which uh, the only reason he wouldn't is if, is if he's worried like Aiden Hill's going to get rusty. <laughs> He hasn't worried about that in the last week. He has not. Not at all. But maybe he'll sit back and say, oh, I haven't played Aiden Hill in a while. I better get him a game because he's going to be off for two weeks and it might be five if I don't give him one right. of these two. So that's the only way. But I I, I don't think he'll make a, just, uh, a decision Friday and Saturday on who his goalie is based on tiredness or wariness. I think he's if he wants to play Logan Thompson, he's going to find the, the reason to play him. And while the minutes weren't that hard, he had two days off and then he gets 10 off after that. I think he's going well. Coming after this one, as good as he was, I think he plays against the Rangers for sure on Friday because yeah. he was really good last night. And 
afterwards, uh, he didn't think he was. But maybe that's something you say uh, to kind of take your teammates out of it when he said uh, everyone else is picking up their picking things up except me. Um, maybe that's something you say, even though I don't know if Logan Thompson, knowing what we know about him, really believes that inside. I don't think he does either. He was furious he after it. the game. I don't think he believes that inside. I think he's like get glaring at uh, Braden McNabb and Caden Korzak. Yeah. He's glaring at them saying, what the hell were you doing? Well, you should be. He was great. And you know who should be giving those quotes is Jack Eichel. Well. I mean, no goals, no assist again. Two shots on goal. Expected goals passenger. rate was below 50%. Then the six games with Mark Stone out with a back injury, six games, zero goals, one assist, 11 shots on goal, so less than two a game. Okay, that's the surprising part. Not that he's not scoring because you can go rate. through scoring slumps and not get goals. He's just not even shooting. Right. That's shocking. He's like the idea of being a passenger. You'd be like, oh, um, Chandler Stevenson is a passenger with Stone and Eichel because he's scoring goals when they're setting him up, right? Right, right. That's what that is. He's not even doing that. No. Like, it's not even like, oh, yeah, he's uh, producing a little bit here. He's just, There's no shots. There's no uh, attempts here. To uh, There's no aggression from Jack Eichel. Like, in all, since Mark Stone's been out. You it can, should be the opposite with right. Stone out. You can count on one hand the amount of times where it's been like, oh, Jack Eichel made a good play at five on five. Like, you can be like, oh, Jack Eichel with a memorable, not even, like, obviously he doesn't have a goal, but just like a, oh, he almost scored there. You can count on one hand how many times that's happened. In They've the won six one game without Stone. It was against Washington, who had the night off before here in Vegas. <laughs> I love that That's we have just thrown that as like, yeah, that yeah. doesn't count as a win. I don't because... know if that counts as a win. <laughs> Those guys, uh, sources have said, enjoy <laughs> Las Vegas a lot. All right. Before uh, we go to break, I did want to ask, if does this qualify as a good game? Ben Hutton last night, he scored a goal. He also saved a puck off the goal line. So he saved a goal as well. Right, that's obviously as good of a night as it gets for a third pair defenseman. Scores a goal, saves a goal off the line. But he took a penalty in overtime that led to New Jersey's game-winning goal. Does Ben Hutton go to bed last night and wake up this morning happy with that game last night or disappointed with that game last night, personally, from an individual level? Internally happy. You think so? Because he got a goal? Internally happy, and he saved a goal. Okay. Internally happy. I don't know what he says. I'm sure he pulls the Logan Thompson on the outside and says, oh, man, I took that penalty. I really hurt us. But internally, he's waking up smiling saying, hey, I scored and I saved one. <laughs> yes. I Especially think, after what Jack Eichel's doing, I'd right. be like, hey. I'm better than Jack I'm Eichel. Not, I'm driving. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm driving Jack Eichel around here. We wouldn't have been in overtime if it wasn't for me driving Jack Eichel around. I And I do think you're right because it's been hot. Like, if this was... If this was Eichel, who has scored a ton of goals in his career, Eichel might be like, ah, can't take that penalty. penalty. But for Ben Hutton, who is not scoring very many goals and saving pucks off the line as well, probably probably does go to bed saying, hell yeah, I scored a goal. If these bums wouldn't deflect the puck past Logan Thompson. (laughs) would have won the game? Right. I would have had a goal and we would have won and I wouldn't have had to take that penalty. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Nick Raboni of UNLV Hockey joins the show. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from UNLV Hockey is Nick Raboni. Good morning, Nick. How are you? you? Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. I got to run uh, my stat change that I think hockey needs to make past you. Uh, Hockey needs to adopt own goals if a defenseman or a forward 
somehow knocks a puck past their goalie, it should go in the stat sheet as an own goal. We don't need to be crediting people for goals they didn't deserve. And also, it shouldn't count against the goalie save percentage. I like that. I like that on the goalie save percentage aspect of it for sure. See, I'm just helping out goalies around here. That's all I'm ever trying he to do. He also thinks right? hockey's dumb. It, it's a sport where thing like Golden Knights went to overtime last night because Braden <laughs> McNabb blocked a shot and it went in the net. He did what he's supposed to do and it went in the net. It doesn't happen that often. It shouldn't happen that often. So Nick right. Raboni with us. Uh, UNLV Hockey, you guys are 15-2. and two. You guys did, did the new rankings come out? You guys are ranked fourth in the last ones. Uh, beat Liberty twice last week. And you guys are uh, playing extremely well at the moment. Yeah, new rankings come out today. So we'll see if we can maybe jump into that three spot. Um, you know, the first two teams, they got it pretty solidified right now. But we'll see. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of hockey to be played left this semester. And you want to be peaking at the right time. And, you know, we're playing great hockey now. And, you know, the national tournament's coming up here in, in, a, in a month and a half or so. And that's when you want to be playing your best. What, what's uh, the uh, continued level of interest in the program as you guys go year to year and get better and better in terms of guys who reach out to you? I, I kid you not, I probably get 20 emails a week with guys interested in coming to play this program, whether it's from high school hockey, uh, junior level, things like that. I, it, it's absolutely incredible, and that's where we want to continue to grow the program into a Division II team and then looking forward, even a women's program. I mean, that's what ultimately we want to do is we, we want to have a, a program with a lot of opportunity for local players, or, or players coming from, you know, Division One levels, Division Three levels. So, yeah, somewhere for everyone to play here in Las Vegas. What's the, what's the growth into the women's side in Division Two level? Like, what would that entail? Well, right now it's us just doing the paperwork with the university. Um, you know, you're adding another 60 players to, to consider what's considered one club program. So there's a lot that has to go into that and who's going to oversee it, budgeting aspects of it. Um, but there's there's... There's the groundwork is being laid. Uh, now we just have to find good people that are going to take ownership and, and want to do their part in growing it. But you, but there is like you think there's enough interest. There's enough people that would be into it to actually do a, a second, a Division Two of UNLV men's hockey, and then also add, like, there's enough people that want to do that and a women's side on, on top of what you guys are already doing. A hundred percent. We could add a Division Two team this year with the amount of players that we had at tryouts. Um, and then as far as the women's programs go, I mean the women's hockey is it is growing here in Las Vegas. Um, and by the time, you know, we get it going here with the 14, 15 year old, 16 year old women's players, we want to have them an opportunity to play here as well. And there's, there's a lot of growth in women's hockey in Southern California and Phoenix, and you're giving them a chance to to leave home and, and come to UNLV and play as well. So you're getting as much of a push locally from the women to like, let's do this. Oh, definitely. Uh, the the women's coaches here in town ask me every day when you start a program. When you start a program, so um, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't be asking me if they didn't feel there was interest as well. Uh, I'm, I know you guys. Uh, we talked to you before the season started. Uh, before you guys went and played in Anchorage, uh, was that the best road trip of the season so far? Um, it was. It was a good time. You know, I'd never been up there. It's uh, it's a really interesting place. Beautiful place. I actually was able to spend uh, one extra day and uh, go to the Kenai River and fish down there and stuff like that. So from a hockey aspect, you know, we played great one night. Would have loved to get the win the other night. You know, I think that we'd like to have that back. Um, but it was a really good trip for our guys. It's, it's a recruiting sell for us to be able to try and get games like that and continue to get games like that. But uh, I can say it probably wasn't the coldest. I think, uh, I think Liberty was pretty cold this weekend, to be honest. So you're not having to charge your bus like I did when I was in Anchorage with a big cord. 
Uh, no, we got we got lucky. We didn't have to do that. <laughs> uh, are you a big fisherman? No, not oh, really. Okay. Uh, you know, I just figured, you know, the old quote went in Rome. I guess when in Alaska, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fish. Did you catch anything good? We did. We caught some salmon and uh, a couple silverfish. I'm not, I see, that's how I know I'm not a fisherman. I said silverfish, and I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't know the real name of it. But you know what? It was fun, and uh, it was definitely a cool experience. That's okay. I don't know the name of it either. Uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to correct you. You could say whatever fish name you want, and it would have gone <laughs> right past both of us. would have been perfectly fine. Uh, Nick Raboni with us from UNLV Hockey. Again, they are off to a great start, 15-2. and two. They host Oklahoma. This weekend, Friday and Saturday, both games at 7.30 at City National Arena. So from a um, goals perspective on the season, obviously you guys have been good for a few years. You guys have been in the national tournament but haven't gotten all the way uh, to winning the title. When you've had that success, regular season success, for so many years in a row, how difficult is it to basically stay in the the moment of the regular season versus having guys look ahead to what the tournament's going to be and down the road? How difficult is it to stay in the right now and beat Liberty twice and then play Oklahoma this weekend? Well, we definitely had um, a little added incentive versus Liberty this weekend. Obviously, they came to Vegas and, and handed us our only two losses of the year. Um, so for us to go there and play them, and, and they have a great facility. I mean, 4,000-seat arena that was packed both nights. I don't think that there was any uh, extra that we needed to tell our guys to get them amped up to play those games. So you win both of those, and, and the top four seeds that in our uh, league get a bye in the first round of the tournament. So we're kind of hovering there at that 3-4 you know, spot. So I think that there is a lot of um, urgency there with the program and with the guys knowing that you know these last seven, eight games of the year, you don't want to drop a single one of them because you want to make sure that you can, you can get that first round bye. Um, so I think that uh, that's kind of our main goal, and we've really preached it to our guys. And the guys that we have on the team have made deep runs here the last few years. So I think that there's there's a lot uh, riding on the, these eight games, and then moving that into the national tournament. Um, you know, there's a sour taste in those guys' mouths of being being so close last year and, and not being able to finish the job. How much does it push you uh, internally and individually when you're able to play Division One teams? And we've talked about this so much in the past about what it means to be at that level, what it takes, the commitment it takes to that level. But do you still kind of get those feelings inside that one day, you know, you look down the road, it could happen? I do. And, um, you know, with us playing essentially two, two to one games versus Alaska Anchorage, who has beaten some pretty good teams this year, actually, in their first year at Division One. It makes you think that um, you know maybe you're not as far off that you may really realize in terms of you know some of these players that we're getting and um, I would love to do it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We would love to do it. I think uh, I, I think the biggest thing is I would love to get this feasibility report done and just see if it makes sense. Um, let's let's just let's fiddle with the idea. Let's let's see. Hockey's hockey's growing. Uh, people love the sport here in Las Vegas. I, I think um, it would just be fun to just see. Like let's. Let's just give it a give it a try on paper, and and we'll go from there. Last time you talked to us, you mentioned that feasibility report on UNLV hockey becoming an NCAA Division One sport. Uh, what's the timeline on that? When do you guys expect to have that? I think that ongoing talks really will will heat up here after the season starts. Um, whether it's you know Eric or President Whitfield, those are the conversations that that need to happen here. You know, um, in March and April once. I would say even basketball is done, um, and then let's go from there. But I, I would say that we would love to get it going and, and at least start it um, in the fall of 2023. 
Well, he is Nick Cravoni, UNLV hockey assistant coach. Nick, uh, as always, we appreciate it. And again, they are hosting Oklahoma Friday and Saturday, 7.30 start times, both at City National Arena. Nick, we appreciate your time today. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. So there's Nick Cravoni from UNLV hockey. You can go watch him play Oklahoma this weekend. I mean, they've been talking about it forever. I mean, it's a it's a big commitment to make the jump to Division One. Um, hopefully, one day, like you said, they'll get the feasibility report done, and it'll make sense. It'll make sense to the university, but that's a that's a big jump. It's a big commitment. So I'm fascinated by him talking about the basically adding on to the club level with a potential Division Two club level team and a women's club a level women's team. team. That's that to me. I don't know why that just seems like a a lot because now you're having two men's team and one women's team. That's now three club hockey teams. But also if there's that much interest in playing for UNLV club hockey, how does that translate to becoming division one? Right? Cause that to me, that feels like there's, if there's that much interest, probably should be a pretty significant push to have a division one hockey team at UNLV, right? Yeah. I just don't know how much this takes, right? The money the side of it, the money side of things. Yes, is, it, is, it always is about the money side, right? Of things. There's a difference in, in people that want to play hockey club level and at UNLV good and well, no, and people right. that are going to pay for it, right? Because right. those are two different groups yeah. of people, but I don't know. It just feels like somehow that interest should translate into UNLV becoming division one, or at least exploring it more intensely. I don't know how far Eric Harper's gotten in since he's been the AD has gotten into, Hey, how seriously should we talk about adding UNLV hockey? I don't know if he's that much into it or not, but I feel like if there's that much interest, it's, I don't know. It just seems like that would translate eventually into division one hockey here. Do we need to get Justin Emerson on the case? (laughs) (laughs) He'll get the job done. He did with ASU. But he walked into the president's office or the AD's office and said, "Here's." A I believe it was he, did, the he did a story office. on it and yeah. then went in there and it was like, "Yeah, this is this yeah. is why it could work." And that's an and then he gets a shout out at the uh, Arizona he, State. Yeah, did he, he ever get the press box named after him at Arizona State? I'm not. I don't know that, but he should have. Yeah, we told him like they need to name the press box after Justin Emerson. Yeah. At, do they even have a press box? I don't even know. Did you watch the Golden Knights game against Arizona? Some of it. The, did you see the intermission show? No. The Golden Knights like had to take their own table. It was like just a little circle bar table <laughs> that Darren Millard was sitting around to do the post game or pregame and post game show. Millsy was in town. Yeah, he went to Arizona, and they were just they were at the arena in a corner, and they were just seriously just like a bar stu- circular bar table and bar stools. That was their setup. Pretty good at yeah. Arizona. I thought it was hilarious, but I'm like, they might not even have a press box at that place. You might just sit in the crowd with your laptop laptop? and just be like, all right, this is my seat for the day. (laughs) Who knows? But yeah, Darren Millard's on the show tomorrow. And I, I might not ask him a single hockey question. I might just be like, so who had to carry (laughs) the bar table down? (laughs) Who had to get it through the airport? (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get into the NFL as the Bengals and Chiefs play in the AFC title game again. It feels like we played them a really long time ago. I mean, I, I don't even know how many games ago it was, to be quite honest with you. I don't even know what month it was in, but, you know, teams continue to evolve. Different strings pop up, different weaknesses pop up, and so you got to do the whole game planning thing all over again and then get your guys ready to go and play in a tough environment against a great team. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. All right, I need help determining if this is a big deal or not. 
Bengals and Chiefs play this weekend. The Bengals claimed Chris Lammons off waivers. Lammons was placed on waivers by Kansas City on Monday. Lammons has played the most special team snaps for Kansas City this season. Now, they waived him because they might be activating either Clyde Edwards-Alaire or one of their tight ends, Jody Fortson. But the reason that people think the Bengals did this is not because they're going to get to use Chris Lammons this week or even if they go to the Super Bowl, because this won't officially be processed for him to be added to the Bengals roster until after the Super Bowl. But they, but because they claimed him, he cannot go back to the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Right. So if the Chiefs were planning to waive him and then bring somehow back. bring him back before be the game started, then Lamons, who again has played their most special team snap as a backup cornerback, but has played over 300 special team snaps, Kansas City cannot have him this week or in the Super Bowl if they make it, even though Cincinnati won't be able to have him on their roster until after the Super Bowl. Little uh, Little gamesmanship by the Bengals. Why did Kansas City waive him? Well, their special teams haven't been good. <laughs> and if that's the case, then I don't think it's that big of a deal. Right. Like, if, in all seriousness, right. if they, if they, if you're Kansas City and you sit down and your plan is we're going to waive this guy because we need to activate Clyde Edwards Alaire anyway. or Jody Fortson, and you say we're going to waive this guy and then we might, and then we're going to try to bring him back with some other roster moves later in the week. You know the Bengals might claim him off waivers, or any team might claim him off waivers, and he's not yours, and you still chose either Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Jody Fortson over him, then I have to imagine the Chiefs sat down and said, well, this isn't that big of a deal if we lose Chris Lammons. Yeah, Chris Lammons. Um, I mean, as Jared said, if they're not that good on special teams and he's played the most snaps, maybe he's a, maybe he's expendable. I just, I just very much enjoyed the two teams that are playing each other. One waved a guy and then oh, a team yeah. claimed yeah. him. Yeah, before that's a the funny game. part about the entire and, thing. And it does the Bengals like they no don't good. Yeah, it doesn't they? They have nothing to do with it. Right. It it could help their 2023 special teams yes. unit. Is what unless it could he's do. any unless he's not any good. Right. And he'll he'll probably get cut after. Yeah. The Bengals after he gets added to the Bengals roster, they will probably waive him. But for Chris Lamons, oh no, he gets a Super Bowl ring if either the Bengals or the Chiefs win. Now, right. Ah, the Chiefs who waived him? He's would been he on the team the whole year. Yeah, I mean, he. I would think he deserves it more from the Chiefs than the Bengals. He's not even going to go to Cincinnati, is he? I don't think he even shows up unless I, I want to see him on the sideline. Uh, oh, that would be game. funny. I want to see him wearing all Bills stuff. <laughs> Bengals. Like all, I, I, excuse I, I, me, all, all Bengals gear. I want him on the sideline in Bengals gear going, all right, so what normally happens yes, on, exactly. is uh, whenever, whenever uh, the guy catches the opening kickoff uh the first three guys miss and then he finds a lane and the kicker normally has to dive like a torpedo and just force him out of bounds maybe that's his Round job the this 40 week. 50 yard line that's that's the chief's kickoff um, yeah. package maybe that's his job this week he does go to cincinnati and he sits in on meetings now whenever they're fielding a I don't, punt, I don't think he can go to cincinnati like he because they claimed him because I, I don't know how it works, but he's not processed. The, the waivers, like you put in the claim so that he can't be picked up by another team, but he's not actually added to the roster until yeah, maybe he'll after do a the Zoom. Super Bowl. I, that might be against the rule. I don't know what the rules are when you have a guy who's been claimed off waivers but can't be on the roster. I don't know what the rules are. Maybe. 
But I actually, I'll say this. I think the Bengals kind of kind of an ass for doing this. If the if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, they just took this guy off a Super Bowl team. <laughs> well, he was there all year. Maybe you're right. Maybe he gets a ring. Yeah, and I if mean, he gets a ring. It's all good. Well, no, he's not going to get to beat if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Okay, he gets a ring if he tells the Bengals all wrong information. <laughs> no, I, I'm not talking about getting the ring. If if the Bengals don't claim him and he goes unclaimed and the Chiefs add him back to the roster, and if the Chiefs go on to win the Super Bowl, Chris Lammons, it's not about, it's not about the ring. He would have played in the AFC title game, and then he would have played in the Super Bowl. Now he doesn't get to do either of those things. For for either team, doesn't the Bengals claimed him? They don't get to use him, so they just took I don't a guy. Know, I, who, I think it's kind of a funny gamesmanship here. Yeah, between the, the teams. Yeah, but it's yeah. an ass move to this guy. Well, I don't know if they're worried about Chris Lamons. Well, yeah, I know they're obviously they're not, not worried, worried about, about him. him. They can't even add him. But that's like I'd be so pissed if I was Chris Lamons. Yeah, that call to your dad. Yeah, dad. You know how I thought I might be playing in the Super Bowl. Um, the, the Bengals decided that it would be funny if they claimed me, so uh, I guess I'll be home Sunday. Yeah, I'll be watching the Super Bowl with you, Dad, even though those are all my teammates that I played with. That's that's just an ass move from the Bengals. That doesn't get any, like, that's the worst thing you can do to somebody that's like, you just claim him off waivers and, so he can't play? And him being like a special teams right? guy, like he's yeah. never going to get, like... They didn't. It's not Travis Kelsey they're taking off the <laughs> roster. They took a damn guy who's going to run down and tackle the guy on a punt return once again. Well, no, he's he's not going to tackle. Well, the Chiefs aren't going to punt <laughs> on a kickoff. That's it. Yeah, that's stupid. I don't like it. Bad from the Bengals. If Agnew taught me anything, no, these are that usually Jack's the kid. things you would consider funny. Yeah, but I feel bad for Chris Lamons. Eh. I don't know Chris Lamons. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone was claiming you did. <laughs> I mean, this is like this is a fantasy football move when like your opponent yes. has a tight end who's like doubtful to play and you go and like pick up three tight ends so they can't play right. one of the best tight ends on the waiver wire. That's what this is, but it's a real guy. When you pick up the fake tight ends in fantasy football, they don't actually have to come to your house. Chris Lamons doesn't get to go to practice or go to the games anymore. I want, He's got to buy a damn ticket to go to the AFC Championship game now. I hope he'll be at home with Dad. I hope he becomes like a rallying cry for the Chiefs. For the Chiefs, they, they put him do up in the Chris box. Lamons. We're going to do this for Chris. Meanwhile, the Bills are just pissed. He's he's in purgatory. Yeah. For two te- he's between two teams that could win the Super Bowl, and he doesn't get to be a part of either one. It's yeah, it's a shame. It is a shame. The Bengals. Now they're going to lose because they, he, he Cause should, they, this is bad karma. He's no, I don't believe in karma, but he is going to feed him bad information. A hundred percent. What I'd be doing if I was Lamons. be like, Hey, yeah, I got the special teams playbook right here. What do you want to know? So I'd be telling him sabotage the Bengals from within. Would you believe anything? Chris Lamons told you right now, if you were the Bengals? No, I don't know if I'd even talk to him. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd even know where he was at this point.